0: restaurant noise restaurant noise restaurant noise restaurant noise <laughs>
1: but then you hit recording around the door anyway our whole relationship is a CD skipping away
2: Oh, gee, sucks. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know I'm what? I'm using does...
1: the new earpods.
2: Ooh, how do they sound?
1: Um, well, you both sound pretty good today. A little, maybe a little bit better than normal. I don't know if that's because of the earpods. Uh-huh. Um, but I like them. They f- I've always been a pro earbud person. I've never had a, too many complaints about Apple's earbuds, but these are pretty nice.
2: The They're comfy.
1: Gonna... Um, hmm?
2: uh, the old ones always sounded pretty good, but I just had problems with them falling out.
1: Oh yeah, I suppose. I mean, because these are, I guess you would say, asymmetrically shaped. Um, they're kind of conical, so I I think they would stay in your ear a little bit better, and I think they sound a little bit better too. So
2: yeah, well, I've got the uh, I've got the uh, in ear ones, the uh, the the fancy ones with the uh they actually go inside your ears.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: those work. Those those are pretty good.
1: Yeah, I have a nice pair of in ear. I don't know if they're in earbuds or whatever, but I forget, and I forget who makes them. But I have a high-quality pair of uh, noise-canceling earbuds that I use for for first listens and that sort of thing. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. I didn't know they made uh, noise-canceling earbuds. I always thought that was just sort of a over-ear kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, they came – I should really – I can't remember. I don't know if it's I I don't know how you say that. etymotics Etymotics, maybe Mm -hmm. um or audio audio hyphen something audio technica i don't know i forgot the brand but they have they come with like three different or four different sort of foam inserts that you can um pick from to pick the one that best suits your ear Hmm. some of them are conical shaped some of them are round and more foamy and stuff some of them feel like they're made of rubber or silicone or something um Those are pretty good. They have a really, really long cord, which is not the best, but
0: Yeah, that's kind of annoying when you get like headphones like that where it's every once in a while it's it's useful, but usually it's just something that just ends up getting pulled on and popping them out of your ear and you go, God damn it, and put them
1: back in. That is the most infuriating thing. (laughs) Something pulls an earbud out of your ear. It's so drawing. Yeah. Physically and auditorially.
2: Yeah, I, I ever get your earphones like caught on a doorknob?
1: A doorknob? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so.
2: No. <laughs> That's uh, oddly that, specific. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. I I I walk past a door and next thing I you know, Boop, ah, my headphones. Uh
0: well what I I what I usually end up doing is well also I'm also taller. Mm-hmm. So, I I don't I think I just am too tall to have that happen really, but uh, a lot of times what I do is I I run the cord up my
1: shirt. Ah. Uh.
2: Yeah, I I, I I I always find that really uncomfortable for some reason. Hmm.
1: I think I've considered doing it while running or working out or something like that. But the iPod, I usually use the iPod, uh, the Apple earbuds for uh, physical activities uh, because they're, you know, cheap and I'm not worried about destroying them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But usually, speaking of things getting caught on things, I have a pair of shorts, cargo shorts, and they... Are they noise canceling? They are not noise canceling shorts. Boom! Title. Let's hang it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But they have they have cargo pockets. You know, like because they're khaki shorts or whatever, and they have there's a I don't know what you call it. Not like a seam, but there's there's like a we'll call it a seam in the cargo pocket, and and it's at the perfect height for the knobs on my kitchen cabinets that are like under the sink. So whenever I'm at the sink, like my shorts will invariably get caught on the knob and you know fine whatever but the thing is that if i tried to do that like on purpose i would never be able to have the dexterity to catch my shorts seam on the knob and yet when left to murphy's law it manages to get caught every single time
2: that makes that makes absolutely perfect sense to me yes yeah.
0: Yeah, speaking of door knobs, that happens to me with sometimes because I'll uh, sometimes I'll wear like uh, those kind of cargo pants where they have the lots of pockets because pockets are handy, and yeah, and I think I I think I'm too tall to have like my headphones caught on, but I I am just tall enough to get like pockets caught on, and then it's it like almost swings me around. I'm like, ah, what the hell?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Inanimate objects tend to disobey me on a regular basis, like yeah. when you put when you put headphones somewhere or anything with a really long cord, I just tweeted this yesterday that anything that comes with a cord should come with a built in way to manage that cord. And like my bass amps have like these huge cords and they're like really thick, you know, Mm. Uh, and there's no way to, to manage the cord. Like it gives you a, like a a slot like in the back, but there's no like hooks in there or anything. You're just supposed to like fold it up and stick it in there, but it's not going to stay in there on its own. I don't know. And then like when you have headphones and you put them, somewhere, like in a drawer or something, when you take them out, the cord has always managed to twist itself into the most complex knot of all time. And you could, you could not consciously choose to craft this knot yourself. And yet somehow, in its lying there, in the drawer, for weeks or months or whatever, it has managed to create the most impossible knot of all time. <laughs> life. Mm-mm.
2: Don't talk to me about life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe the objects are rising up for an, like, object revolution.
2: Wasn't there a Twilight Zone episode with that as the premise?
0: Maybe. I know there's, like, kind of a Futurama where all the robots did, including all of, like, the, you know, like, the toaster robot or the greeting card robot and stuff like
1: that, so. (laughs) Robot.
2: (laughs) Oh, did we lose you there, Andrew? No, I'm still here. Okay, I I thought you sounded like you cut off.
1: (laughs) No, I was just thinking. Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: maybe maybe like we should just. We... Oh, go on. <laughs>
1: I like the new time we have here?
2: Oh yeah, this is this is Feels... much more convenient. It would've been better if I could've started on time, but analogy. <laughs>
1: mm,
0: what you gonna do?
2: Yeah, well, I think w- what we can do is talk about our picks.
0: Haha! That was a
1: segue. Yeah, that was a segue.
2: <laughs> Damn right it was.
1: <laughs> Isn't there an Archer joke about segues? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh
2: no no no! <laughs> <laughs> but, oh,
1: there's got to be an extra joke about segways.
2: <laughs> I think no,
1: I think I'm thinking of a whose <laughs> Lines anyway? <laughs> joke. Anyway, not
2: important. Yeah. So, um, who wants to who wants to take the lead on this one? I, I think Matt, maybe Matt should take the lead on this one since I think you you didn't do it last week. So,
0: okey dokey. Um, I picked the the very last Oingo Boingo album back, like. Well, last studio record because there was a live record afterwards. But uh, it's just called Boingo because they were kind of trying to do that with the band name as well as just call that Boingo as well. But anyway, uh, it's actually one of my all-time favorite uh, Boingo records. And um, I figured I'd share it with you even though it's hella long. And speaking of hella long – my pick was the 16-minute long song called Change. So let's hear a little bit of that now.
1: Growing pains Tranquilizers for the soul Nothing ventured Nothing gained Evolution's cruelest Joke Why is everyone upset I once knew But I forget Something happened, something Strange, something It appears has changed and Hey don't I you know am we're am just the of our time and Hey what do you mind say mind
0: if i show you this you production Huh yes um but yeah it's um honestly and i, and I think it's kind of interesting where a lot of songs that are really long um, tend to have tend oftentimes they tend to be I guess, long for the sake of being long. And even though, I mean, Change has, like, those restaurant noise portions in it, I I, I really think the entire 16 minutes holds up. I, I love, 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 love this song. I mean, like, pretty much every song on Boingo is pretty much gold. I think the only one I don't really care for is Pedestrian Wolves, and even that's pretty good. But, like, Change is my favorite track on the album, and I, like, e- even when they do it live and it's only, like, 10 minutes long, I feel like, I feel cheated. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I just love the hell out of Change. And, I mean, I think it's just interesting that it's, like, something, a song that uh holds up, at least to me, for the full 16 minutes, which isn't something that you normally get, I think, in songs. Mm-hmm. And the the rest of the album is really, really good, too, even though, like, again, a lot of the songs on here are long. I think the... The shortest one is like four minutes, I think, and most of them are in the seven to eight minute range I think so mm-hmm. and one of the things I think is kind of interesting about this album which is one of the one of the other reasons that I picked it is that it's uh like uh in in a few interviews and I've linked one in the uh show notes uh Danny Elfman said that um basically he was kind of spurred on to do this record through uh listening to Primus. Like Primus really made him like he really was digging Primus at the time. Like I think it was like this was uh ninety three, ninety-four. So I think like probably like just the first couple albums,
1: Primus albums would have been, been the out. pork soda years, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it was sort of like kind of cool. And I mean and before I knew that I didn't really notice it, even though I I'd, I'd listened to Primus at the time, of course, as well. But after reading that and then listening, going back to the record and listening to it, I can actually kind of hear the Primus in there. I mean, it's not really full-on like Les Claypool or anything. I mean, you're not going to get the two, you know, oh, am I listening to Oingo Boingo or am I listening to Primus? You're not going to get that or anything. But mm. but you can kind of pick up on on there, like sort of like with – like you can kind of pick up on like the Pixies influence when listening to Nirvana, but you're not really going to get the two confused. So anyway, uh what all what 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 do y'all think?
1: I'd never heard of Oingo Boingo before. I might have heard of them, but I had not heard any of their songs. Um but I enjoyed this quite a bit. And uh I really liked the I Am the Walrus cover. I thought that was very uh well done. And like you said, Matt, I also really enjoyed change and did not find its length to be uh Uh, problematic at all and being a rush fan obviously i'm no stranger to long songs Mm -hmm. um but yeah this did not feel like 16 minutes i mean it felt long but it did not while i was listening to it i wasn't like exhausted by the end of it yeah Um, like i like i can be um
0: just out of curiosity when when you saw that i had chosen that one for the the hook were you kind of like oh fuck before hearing it like going oh god i've got to listen to the 16 minute long song
1: yes absolutely
0: (laughs) okay i'm sorry about that but it's a really good song so but yeah i can i can see that kind of happening i was like going like is this kind of a dick move choosing this song
1: (laughs) yeah i was i was definitely very wary because um you know i thought it was going to be excruciating uh but uh along the lines of Perubu or, or, uh, something like that. But, um, (laughs) but no, when I put it on, I was very pleasantly surprised by the sort of just the sound and the production. And, um, it was very not dissonant, which was like a, a welcome relief, um, from some of our past picks, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, you know, it was melodic and, uh, pleasant to listen to and they were nice dynamics and everything and overall it was just a an enjoyable listen um so i approve i will be listening to it again
0: yay it is um different than pretty much all the other boingo records okay so uh all the pretty much all of them are definitely worth checking out Mm -hmm. like except i i don't like dark at the end of the title that's the only one that i really like go uh on but um like but otherwise i i mean you know I, I think that there's enough in common with Boingo that, you know, I think you would enjoy the other Boingo records. Yeah. But, but I mean, if, but this is definitely a departure from them. So, or,
1: so, yeah. That's interesting. I think that, um, or rather, rather than cut what I th- think, um, you said that Primus was an influence, but I think I just read on Wikipedia before we started recording that Danny Elfman was big into the Beatles at this time. That
0: too. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think tell you the truth. I think he's always been big into the Beatles, but but I think that kind of came to the fore a little bit. And I know that he said that the in, in the interview I linked, he, he said that the uh, uh, walrus cover was kind of spontaneous. So cool.
1: Yeah, I didn't detect too many. Um, I didn't detect the primus on my first listen, but I'll have to listen for that in future listens. Is there a song in particular that feels primacy?
0: Uh, not really. I think it's just sort of a a weird kind of feel. I don't yeah. know. Like, and I think the bass is mixed a little bit higher than in other buenko records as well. Gotcha. But but yeah, I don't know. Like, It's something to go, I think, you know, I think it's something that, like, it doesn't necessarily, like, stick out necessarily, mm-hmm. but it's like, it can kind of inform your listening and you can kind of go, oh, yeah, I can actually kind of hear the, you know, the, you know, this isn't necessarily the work of someone who's like, you know, trying to be Primus, but I can see this person having, you know, Primus in their in their record collection. I guess
1: you know, right? And Danny Elfman does a lot of Tim Burton stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, so I feel like that sort of that Tim Tim Burton sort of I don't know what you call that kind of style, but that's sort of not gothic, but you know what I mean. The the Tim Burton style is very distinct mm-hmm. uh, and visual, and I sort of feel like that kind of music. Uh, Primus has that same sort of very visual kind of not surreal but and not gothic either but that sort of comical um i don't know style so i can see how danny elfman and tim burton and primus they're sort of all kind of these these visual sort of musical entities
0: yeah and i think too i I think boingo is pretty much the only um uh oingo boingo album that's Really, when like Danny got like really, really, really into scoring, like mm-hmm. when, like, like I think like for pretty much up until Boingo came out, because there was like a, a pretty long period between this and the last Boingo record, which I think was Dark at the End of the Tunnel. Uh, but uh, it was he was pretty much the guy from Boingo Boingo. But when Boingo came out, he was pretty much the guy who does those movie scores. I think, yeah, you know, at least in the the public consciousness, right.
2: Okay. Um, Sorry, Rich. <laughs> no, 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 That's all right. Interesting conversation. Um, I actually, I do like Oingo Boingo, and I already had this record, so, uh, that made life easier. Um, this is not my favorite Oingo Boingo record, though. Um, but before I go into that, I want to say that my pick next week is actually going to be, uh, Brian Eno's Thursday Afternoon, which is, uh, an hour mm. and, uh, 13 minutes. So, mm. uh, you might want to start listening to that one early. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Find so. a hook on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Then what do you say? Now, um, so, um, I mean, it's good. I like this album. It's not, it's not my favorite Oingo Boingo album, because for me, Oingo Boingo is really all about the horns. And, I mean, all my favorite Oingo Boingo songs have the horns in some form. Mm-hmm. And the only song on this that has horns is the Eye and the Walrus cover, which is also my favorite track on the, on the album. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, like insanity has the horns in the beginning and stuff too. I mean, they're they're more of a textural thing than a uh, front and center kind of thing, like on the other Go By Go records. And that is a fair cop.
2: Yeah. I, I thought that was a, that was just string, like really low strings on the opening of Insanity.
0: Oh, I don't know. I always thought it was like um, like Barry Sachs kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. But it, I don't but know. <laughs> it, 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 it sounds to me like you know, it, like it's orchestral, and, and you know, I I don't have any problem with strings. Um but yeah, you know, and change is a very good song. It is, uh, it, it does work. I do like the heck out of it. So, but like I said, uh, I really do prefer just when the the horn ver- stuff with the horns. Um, my favorite Oingo Boingo record is probably, um, Boingo, Boingo.
0: Yeah, I yeah the one that's uh that was another one where they were attempting to drop the Oingo on their band name, and but ended up so it's like it says Oingo in really little letters and then. Boingo in bigger letters, and the name of the album is B-O-I-N-G-O, and I love that record a lot, too, so.
2: Yeah.
0: I actually got, like, dissed for saying that that was one of the, the best Boingo records. Someone was like, if you say that, like, you know, you know, you're, you're, uh, your opinion is suspect. I think they accused me of liking Total Devo as well.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that, that's harsh, man. Um, but... Uh, it's, it's good coming back to this, because it's not, it's not a, a Boingo record I put on very much. In fact, I don't really put on Oingo Boingo too much, despite the fact that I do like the heck out of them. Um, in fact, weirdly enough, usually I gravitate towards only a lad if I ever put on Oingo Boingo, which is also a very fine record, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I always call that their like early XTC phase, because it really reminds me of the first couple like XTC records, just with horns swapped out for keyboards.
2: And I guess I, I could see that, but... I mean, this might be a good uh, a good thing to come back to as a topic, but it's it's interesting how the sound, the the change in sound with the orchestral things, it, it probably has, it, it almost certainly has something to do with the fact that uh, Elfman was doing his musical scores by then, um, which are always, or well, at least ever since he started working with, uh, ever since, Post Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure or whatever it was, it's all, mm-hmm. you know, big dramatic strings and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. And Wait, did you did
0: you just kind of like side sideways diss Pee-wee?
2: No, no, no. <laughs> I I am I grew up with Pee-wee's Playhouse. Don't 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 don't, don't assume I'm gonna diss Pee-wee Herman.
0: <laughs> That's good because I'd have to I'd have to cut you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the love of God, Pee-wee wees Playhouse probably probably has a major influence on the music I like today because Mark Mothersbaugh did the theme music. The residents contributed music to the to the show. I mean, it's it's just a perfect storm. So, um, yeah, cha- uh, Boingo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very different, but it's just, it's not the Boingo I love, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, this is, like like I was telling Andrew, I mean, this is like a, a big departure. I mean, it's it's <laughs> like kind of an attempt to make a different band out of the same guys, more or less. But
2: Yeah, minus the horn section, because the horn section didn't even go on tour with them at the time. So that's where I stand on uh, on Boingo. Good record. I just wish it had the horns more. I wish it sounded more like Boingo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wish You wish it had the hyphen in there.
2: Boy hyphen Ingo? Uh, I, yeah.
0: I don't know. I always call it Yeah,
2: I'm just going to have to smack Danny Elfman if I ever meet him for, for two reasons. One, because of that album title. And two, because he doesn't want to get back with the band for at least something. Well, it's I thought funny. it was
0: because he was it was making him deaf is what I'd heard.
2: Yeah, but there you can mitigate that. Just get yourself like in your monitors and turn it and make sure the volume is not too stupid high.
0: Yeah, that's 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 true too. You
2: know, like, don't tell me those orchestras don't get loud too.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So that that's where I stand on that.
0: Yeah. I mean even if he didn't get back with, you know, Boingo like which would s- suck, but I mean I I'd, I I'd be happy if he just did another pop record. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm. We'll see. I actually find the uh the uh Danny Elfman solo album from the from the uh period, which is really just an oingo boingo album under a different name, to be kind of disappointing.
0: That's true too. I like uh, like aside from like gratitude, most of those songs were you can kind of tell that they were left off of Boingo Records for a reason.
2: Yeah. I think we're I think it's I think we should move on now because we got <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's been almost a half an hour talking about only go Boingo go and uh, cargo shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Best episode ever.
1: <laughs> it's not bad.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I guess this I'll is, our, take... oh, this is on. the one
0: we're winning the Emmy for, or whatever it is that the we podcasting podcast awards. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I take the next one if that's cool? Sure. All right. Uh, go for it. Okay. Um, my pick this week is the album uh, Russ Never Sleeps" by Neil Young which uh was one matt didn't have to download but <laughs> um, i had it too. oh really oh that mm-hmm. made life so much easier uh yeah rust never sleeps is probably my absolute favorite neil young album um it's one of those rare albums that every song on it is amazing and um oh let's just let's just hear a little bit of uh of the uh the album closer actually i can never get it i can never get this uh straight uh is the album closer Hey, Hey, My, My, or My... Yeah, Hey, Hey, My, My, Into the Black. King is, gone, but not Roddy,
1: Roddy, Roddy. is this the story of the Johnny, Johnny, Johnny It's better to
2: Now, I know I knew of Neil Young for years, but I didn't actually start decide to check him out until somehow or another I got a hold of an MP3 of a version of "Hey Hey My My," uh, and I know I think Matt knows exactly where I'm going with this,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, featuring Neil Young and Devo. I'm like, what the hell? Uh, it was actually sung by Mark Mothersbaugh in his "Boogie Boy" falsetto. And I didn't know the source of it at the time. It's actually from the film *Human Highway*, uh, that Neil Young did with Devo and a bunch of other some, some uh, B-list uh, actors, and Dennis Hopper as well.
0: Hey, Dean Stockwell.
2: And yeah, Dean Stockwell. I mean, he's not, I, Dean Stockwell's not really an A-lister, is he? No. But 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 he was Al. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, Dean and the movie, by the way, is terrible.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs>
2: The The best part is the only in the video release with the uh, entire, I think it's like eight minute jam session of Devo and Neil Young brewing a hot hey, hey, my, my into the black. And so I went out and the first album I ever got by Neil Young was this one. And it just blew me away. The first side is all acoustic numbers. The second is all electron all electric numbers. And just every song on here. Neil Young's just a brilliant songwriter to uh, begin with. Mm hmm. It's just so hard to talk about this record in a way because anytime you, you have a record that's so good, it just it almost defies language. So, like I said, I love the hell out of this. It's, it's my favorite Neil Young record. My second favorite being Trans, which we'll have to talk about another time because it's an ab- kind of one of those weird aberrations in Neil's discography. So what do you guys think?
1: One of my favorite uh, quotes by Aldous Huxley is after silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music, which would be appropriate.
0: Does that mean that you're going to write a song about uh, rest never sleeps?
1: Mm, no, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> Sing it for us right now. <laughs> Accompany- I'm Accompanied not- on the bass.
1: <laughs> it would be an all bass cover. Um, yeah. I've never been a huge Neil Young fan And uh, I thought that this was an interesting choice, uh, knowing Rich's musical proclivities. And then I read the Wikipedia article for Hey, Hey, My, My, and saw that it was influenced by proto-new-wave band Devo. And I was like, of course it is! (laughs) 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 That explains it. We have Um, so few themes. Um. Yeah, I haven't uh, been able to get into the Neil Young uh, quite yet. I think I probably will eventually sometime down the road. Um, but I have you know, been exposed to a handful of his more popular songs, most of which have been actually through uh, Dave Matthews Band has done a couple of covers uh, on some live albums. And uh, I really enjoyed those. And so I usually go and check out the original um, when I hear a good cover. That I haven't heard before, and I am a big fan of "Hey Hey My My" into the black, and out of the blue, I suppose as well. Um, I just like the the grittiness and the grunginess, which I feel like is something that maybe has turned me off about Neil Young. And again, I can't really cite any of his other songs uh, as comparison, but I like the the heaviness of "Into the Black" and the kind of the anger, the angry side to it. Um, so. Yeah, I think this will be, you know, when I decide to have a Neil Young phase, if I do, um, I'll probably use this record uh, first because I've had it for a while. And, um, you know, it sounds very good, but it just doesn't do much for me at this particular time in my life. Um, The other Neil Young song that I enjoy is Cortez the Killer, which um, Dave Matthews Band played during their 2003 Central Park concert with Warren Haynes as a special guest, which is a tremendous version that will be in the show notes. Um, But so, yeah, so I'm not a huge Neil Young fan, but I am a big fan of this song, and uh, I look forward to the day that I get the Neil Young.
2: Well, one thing you might want to consider doing is checking out the album um, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, which Mm -hmm. is uh, his first – I think that was the first one he did with Crazy Horse.
0: I think so, yeah.
2: Yeah, and Crazy Horse is is what's responsible for the heaviness on that electric side, right? Um, so that's that'll probably be a good entry point into the heavier Neil Young. Uh, as for the not so heavy Neil Young, yeah, the uh, the acoustic side of this is probably is the best entry point, I think, because it's just—I mean, you can't yeah, listen so- to a song like—well, uh, Powderfinger is on the electric side. Um, so let's see here. Yeah, Fasher, uh, Fasher. Yeah, that's probably one of the best. Uh, slow acoustic numbers of Neil's uh, in my opinion of Neil Young so definitely take a take some time and give that one a, a play too
1: yeah looking at the track listing for Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere I am familiar with Cinema Girl and Down By The River so yeah there you go <laughs> yeah actually
0: uh, I, uh, I was going to say in my part too that like of, of the non-trans albums like uh, Everybody Knows is probably my favorite but I mean, like uh, "Rest Never Sleeps" is a real close one too. So,
2: anything else? you have? Anything else to say about Russ Never Sleeps"? Man? Oh,
0: yeah. I was—I wasn't sure if, <laughs> if Andrew was done or not. So, oh, okay. I, I didn't want to just you know barge <laughs> in and, and steamroller him like I do you sometimes. <laughs> How
2: nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I I I love this record. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do like the electric side better. Uh, but like the like, I mean like, you know, Thrasher, um, you know, pretty much, you know, honestly, I mean, pretty much all of the acoustic side is really great too. So, but it, I just like the, this the, the rock, the sheer rock power of the electric side, you know, like, like welfare mothers and stuff like that. It's just really like cool. And there's like great grooves and. Of course, then you have the, you know, the amazing, you know, Hey, Hey, My, My, which I also was turned on to via Human Highway. Like, and that's kind of like, because it's kind of funny, because like, growing up, I thought that I hated Neil Young. Like, basically, it was like, kind of funny, because like, my dad likes Neil Young, my mom hates him. um, And I always like, would kind of picture, you know, some of the, the, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, whinier, because he does have kind of a whiny voice, yeah, you know, I mean, and like, and I think that is a little bit of an, a acquired taste, and I've, I've acquired it since. But like at the time, it was sort of like you know, he's that whiny guy with the acoustic guitar. He's like, you know, I mean, look, yeah, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and and very nasal and just you know. But then I felt re- not basically. So I started out hating Neil Young. Then I realized that whenever anyone else would do a Neil Young song, it was really, really awesome. And so for a while, I was like going like, okay, Neil Young sucks as a performer, but he's a really great songwriter. And then I um, – sorry, then I got uh, like Human Highway and because uh, of the Devo connection. And I was like, wow, Neil Young is a, a great songwriter, but a shitty-ass filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's really cool that you hung out with Devo, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I got Trans, and I was like, okay. Aside from the the bookends of the the normal Neil Young, like this album is really really good, and I listened to that like over and over and over and over and over and over, you know. And then I ended up getting like um, Everybody Knows, and I was like, oh, Neil Young is awesome. <laughs> so I that was that's kind of my you know progression of 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 Neil Young is going from like going like, oh, he's that whiny Canadian douchebag to, oh, he's really, really cool. <laughs> so, and I know that like my, you know, high school self is probably totally betrayed right now. <laughs> but, and one of the cool things too is like, um, that, because uh, uh, Monty and I were kind of talking about about it because he'd seen a thing on Neil Young a, a little while ago, I think on PBS or something. And I, I and basically the, the version of Hey, Hey, My, My in uh, Human Highway is the is like basically one of the first iterations of the song. It's like before that was recorded before the crazy horse version that everyone knows,
2: yeah, in '77, which uh, yeah, says a lot about Human Highway as a movie, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't released until what '82? Yeah, '83, '82. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, I think Human Highway is kind of worth watching like at least once though, just because it is sort of. It's kind of intriguing in its badness.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I'll agree with that one.
0: And there's some cool Devo footage, of course, too. But I yeah. mean, it's it's you just sort of go like, "Wow," because <laughs> I mean, you have Neil Young playing this sort of weird, almost retarded, naif kind of character,
2: <laughs> and and Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper.
0: Yeah, and Rust Hamblin as, as Neil's also semi retarded friend. And you have like Dean Stockwell as like the, the boss of the garage who hates music. <laughs> and you have some Arab guy trying, I guess, I, I don't even remember what the Arab's doing. Like, I think he's trying to buy the gas station for some reason or something. And then you catch a Devo in the nuclear plant. <laughs>
2: it it's all just so so wrong on so many levels.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like well, I mean it didn't help that they were writing it from day to day. Yeah. And like, wasn't it basically like Neil and Dean Stockwell would stay up all night writing the next day's script?
2: I, I think so. Don't don't hold me to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting, bad, but um, so if you're either a Devo or a Neil Young fan, I w- I would check it out, but don't don't expect some lost classic of cinema. I mean, the, the best poll quote they could get from the for the video cover is so bad it's good. <laughs>
2: says it all. Says it all. Oh. Yeah.
0: So, but yeah, I I, I dig Rust Never Sleeps. And, and, you know, I, I think that we should all cover ourselves in metal and then go down to the beach. So, because, you know, rust, rust ever sleeps. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> you guys watch Space Ghost, right? No. Aw.
2: I've seen like only a handful of episodes of that. Sorry.
0: And not that one, I guess, then. Yeah. Because there's one where they they didn't they were trying to figure out ways to not go to sleep because if they went to sleep, they'd get killed. Ah. Hmm. And and, and Moltar is in a thing going going in his you know really deep voice like, uh we we could we could cover ourselves in metal and, and then and then go down to the beach and 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 get covered in water and 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 rust because uh uh you know uh rust never sleeps, <laughs> <laughs>
2: which is actually a slogan Mark Mothersbaugh came up with for some kind of rust inhibitor product back in the seventies. Uh,
0: yeah, which is kind of interesting. I and. I think Neil didn't know that at the time, right? That it was Mark or?
2: Uh, it, it, it's basically confirmed that he got it from Mark.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I, I had heard that it was something where, like, and the thing is, I think the guy who told this to me got the timeline wrong. But I, I had heard that he had basically come across this, you know, the rest of her sleeps ad. Went like, oh, that's a great thing. Or a great thing and then met Mark and was all like, Oh, hey, Rust never sleeps. That was me. <laughs> but I think the timeline is, is wrong for that, so
2: Yeah. It's kind of like apocryphal exactly if Mark gave it to him specifically or if it or if Neil got it off of a shirt Mark was wearing mm. when he was making the uh ads, but whatever. That that is that's that's we're getting we're getting rat holey again. <laughs> yeah. This is actually kind of a good album sort of straddle between the two picks because, you know, there's one very acoustic side to this album and I've oh, got one whole, whole acoustic album here. Andrew?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my um, pick this week is the new album by Mumford & Sons called Babel. And we're going to play the title track. I
2: know that time has numbered my days And I'll go along with everything you say I'm laughing, look at me now. To the walls of my town, they come crumbling down. And my ears hear the call of my unborn sons and I know that choice
0: is colour You know, you know uh the new music show was uh last week or a couple of weeks ago. We 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 can't let you use this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's true. Sorry. Yep,
0: you got to pick something old now. <laughs>
1: it's been a good year for uh, for albums, but um, so this record has kind of been, at least in the in the internet circles that I run in, kind of at the at the forefront of of discussion because Mumford and Sons' their first album, Sino More, came out. I forget when. I want to say two thousand nine, uh, but it came out when I was in college, and it was like blew everybody's mind. And uh and everybody loved it. And I was a big fan too. Um, I think I like several people I know, played it, overplayed it, uh to death. So I played it nonstop for a while and then uh got burned out on it and uh didn't then subsequently stopped listening to it. And they took a little I think I wanna feel like uh a long time to come out with their with their second album. Uh I guess it would be about three years. And It finally came out, and obviously very highly anticipated, and uh, it's kind of exactly the same as their first record, is what everybody is saying, and depending on how you felt about the first record, I think is going to determine how you feel about Babel, because, you know, I have issues with the argument that, oh, every song sounds the same, or whatever, and you know, we can get into that, but... I feel like if you like the first record, you know, this is going to give you sort of more of the same, and it might not necessarily be innovative, but if you like that Mumford & Sons sort of sound, uh, you will not be disappointed. And just because it's not a total, you know, reinvention, um, you know, doesn't make it necessarily a bad record. I guess maybe because there were three years in between, and then we kind of got Sinomar Part 2 in some ways. Uh, people you know, have a right to be disappointed, I suppose, but I like it. I don't, you know, I'm not up in arms about it, you know, maybe because I, I got burned out on the first record and I'm just happy to have new songs from them. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm in the pro Babel camp. I think it's a a good record. I like their, their sort of blue grassy folksy British, uh, whole, you know, identity. And, um, I don't know. I'm a fan. I haven't actually really gotten to know the entire record yet. But, you know, the first half, uh, I'm a fan of uh, Babel, the title track, and I like the single, I Will Wait, and Lovers of the Light is another another nice tune. So, I don't know. I'm a fan, and uh, I'm not, I guess, not attached enough to be disappointed that this is um, in the same vein. And they, they explicitly said that they didn't go about changing their sound too much for this second record, but uh, but I'm okay with it. So, there you go.
2: Well, um, let me tell you a little story. Um, (laughs) No, 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 no. It's a story about a record that sucks. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. no. Don't, don't panic here. Don't panic. I knew you guys weren't going to like this one. I, I I
1: did actually,
2: but oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, in 2008, I moved uh, to West Philadelphia, and (laughs) oh, we are so done. now, uh, I moved to West Philadelphia and uh, crossed the street from this little bar called Fume, And on Thursday nights, uh found out that they had a bluegrass band that played there. Nice. And I'd only seen them play twice, unfortunately, in the four years I lived out there. But, <laughs> um, but both times I saw them, they were just really, really fun. So, I mean, I don't know jack shit about bluegrass. I just know what I like. Mm-hmm. So, uh, check this out. I mean, I'd heard of Mumford & Sons but I didn't really know anything about them, so giving this a listen was a surprise. And, I mean, I've heard, like, very mixed things about them, like, uh, you know, sort of the denigration, you know, the term, I think, hipster folk is Mm -hmm. uh, tossed at them. And, yeah, they they definitely look the part, but they they can at least back it up with musical chops. Uh, But the only thing I really didn't quite dig about the record was just uh, some of the vocals. I don't know if the growling kind of works for this, Cause he, that guy ha, can do I uh, I don't think his, gra- or if it's, if it's not the, if it's not the growl that doesn't work, it's, it, it's that the vocalist doesn't have a very good growling voice. Mm. Does that make any sense?
1: I think so. I, I kind of like it though. I, mm-hmm. I mean, could see that, uh, and I feel like if I'm remembering the first record correctly, I feel like he did not use it as much. And I feel like, you know, even right off in the title track, he's got some, some lines that are fairly belted out. Um, but I like it as long as he doesn't overuse it. And I, I'm not sure if he overuses it on this record or not because I haven't really digested the whole thing yet. But yeah. So, yeah, I know what you're saying.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's still pretty good. I'm definitely going to have to come back to it. Um, I only really gave it one listen. Um, the one downside to ha- to uh, two of us picking records that we already – that each, that Matt and I picking records that we knew already was that we, we know them already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I mean I can just listen to Boy and and I'm I'm listening to, and I'm listening to Boy and I'm like calling the shots uh all the you know breaks and the pause and the dramatic scenes and so this was a new experience I definitely have to go back and listen to it again but I definitely enjoyed the heck out of it I um, mean it wasn't I think the the vibe that uh I apparently get we apparently get around, that Mumford and Sons may have is sort of uh, incorrect or at least the vibe I'm hearing from them I don't know if your circles are more friendly to uh, to their sound but I I mean I like this. I like this stuff. I mean, there needs to be more banjo in my life. I'll just I'm just I'm, I'm saying it right now. That sounds good. More banjos.
0: Mm-hmm. Rich, you should check out the monks.
2: <laughs> we'll do.
0: And <Yeah>, the flectones. <laughs> um yeah, like like Rich, I um I really liked this one a lot. Um I think I might have even liked it a little bit more than him because I didn't have the problem with the vocals that he did. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's one where like it's always funny because like um like cuz they're doing really well on radio like and especially on rock radio mm-hmm. which is always like kind of funny cuz i remember like uh the first time i heard them it was like uh the, their big breakout single little lion man yep and i remember being in the car with uh my friend sarah and we're and she's got like the the local like alternative station on and i'm going like you know and it's like you know the standard kind of you know alt rock kind of stuff and then all of a sudden there's this like weird banjo guy doing it and it's like wait what happened did they just flip formats or something you know <laughs> right. yeah and so i mean i and it, but i mean it was good I mean, I mean i'm not knocking it it's just that it it sounds like nothing else on the radio right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i mean it's kind of interesting that it's it's taken off so well and especially on you know rock formats not just what we call triple a which is uh adult album alternative for those not in the know and that's sort of like kind of like a uh half college rock half stuff like john mayer with the sensitive guys with guitars yeah <laughs> and um it's but yeah i mean it, it was just really shocking to me that you know cuz i you know i mean at work like i mean like i um well i am like in my normal life i'm a i'm a rock fan i don't listen to a lot of like i don't do the rock formats mm-hmm. and i mean i and as stuff comes out i don't really listen to a lot of the rock stuff anymore just because a lot of it's kind of crappy or at least not up to my, my speed. So, I mean, like, even though I was seeing you know, all this like Mumford and Sons, you know, stuff come in, I was just like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. That's some, some shitty rock band going, you know? (laughs) And so when I listened to him, I was like really surprised and I was like, wait, these guys are actually really good. And they really remind me a lot of the Pogues, like kind of like the, kind of the, uh, Post-Shane uh, McGowan Pogues, which, like, while not as quite as good as the Shane McGowan era, I think does get, like, unfairly slagged. Because, like, the last couple, like, Pogues records are really good. Um, and, I mean, uh, the lead Mumford, I guess, <laughs> yeah. uh, doesn't have, you know, the same voice kind of quality as Shane McGowan at all. I mean, it's, you know, and I don't think he's even trying for a Shane McGowan thing, which is, like, good because... I think pretty much only Shane can really do that, and otherwise you're just a drunk idiot. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really like this, and it's, and it's kind of funny, too, because, like, speaking of work, like, uh, The Boxer had come in as, like, a potential single, I think. I don't know if it's doing anything or not on radio. I don't think it is yet, but uh, I always wonder if that was a cover of the Simon and Garfunkel song, and it is. So I was like, is, yeah, yeah, I Because that's one of my favorite Simon and Garfunkel songs. So. Yeah. So I, 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 w- I was happy to hear that it was, and they do a really good version of it. And the album in general is just really good. I'm I'm I am pleasantly surprised and I'm glad that this is doing well on rock radio, even though I wouldn't even think of it as a rock record.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm well, I'm really pleasantly surprised that you guys enjoyed it. Cause like I said, I was assuming that you guys were not gonna be big fans, but um, I totally see what you're saying there, Matt, because they are sort of this weird band in the sense that they are very musically talented and at the same time they are achieving mainstream success. Uh, and, you know, they're not overproduced and slick and um, what do you call it, auto-tuned and all that garbage. Uh, so I'm, I think that's one of the reasons that I, I like them uh, so much is that they are really good and people are noticing that. Uh, people that might not otherwise be listening to good music, uh, other than Mumford and Sons. So it's interesting how they've how they've broken through.
0: Yeah, and I mean, especially too, because I mean, it it just does not. It doesn't seem like it would fit at all. Like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I I like look at the, like you know, like some of the other s- stuff on like the the playlists, and it's sort of like you know, one of these things does not belong. <laughs> you right. know. Yeah, and I and I again I don't need, mean that in a bad way or anything. I'm just saying it's it's so it's shocking to me that 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 is broken through as well, and and just just because it's so different. And I mean, a lot of times you get stuff that kind of breaks through because it is kind of samey. Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's interesting. You know, there might be sort of a shift going on in the popular music world uh, because I mean, look at the who's won best new artist for the last couple. Bon Iver, which I don't know. Does Bon Iver does nothing for me? And the Arcade Fire got the Best New Artist, like, two years ago. And, you know, these aren't what you'd expect to uh, win these kind of awards. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I mean, for whatever the hell the Grammys have to do with anything, that might have something to, to do with this. Um, yeah, it, it's also, it's sort of, you know, maybe we're finally seeing sort of the, the, the folk revival or the acoustic revival that isn't just, you know, sad ac- sad, sensitive guy with an acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah which is kind of which I certainly can't complain about. It's it's nice to find something that's not just, you know, all right, we've got an electric guitar and I know four chords. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
0: and also it's it's kind of nice on the other side too to have, you know, stuff that's just not, you know, sad guy going Girls don't really like me. That's why I hate myself. <laughs> maybe it's because of the way I look, or maybe it's something else. Wasn't nice. that
2: a zap, wasn't that a zappa song? Dead Milkman. Okay. <laughs> I know I heard it yes. before. Shit. My many smells, right. Uh, no, I think oh, it's no. Uh, no,
0: that's it's off of um, Big Lizard. It's um, Veterans Damn. of a Fucked Up World.
2: Oh right, shit, shit, shit I, I suck <laughs> <laughs> only when the dead milkmen do it, they do it well.
0: Well, yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and yeah. on on like guitars and stuff and and not yeah. you know pretend acoustic yeah. I, I didn't feel like actually getting my acoustic from across the room, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm lazy today.
2: Well, I was <laughs> accusing you of sucking. I was accusing you know the uh people who make that kind of music uh sincerely of sucking. yeah. <laughs> I knew I recognized this lyrics. Gotta feel dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm looking at the uh, the Wikipedia page for the Grammy Award for Best New Artist. I'll throw that into the robot for you guys. Um, I think there is a sort of swinging of the pendulum back toward uh, musical integrity, kind of because, like, you look at um, in 2011. I remember last year this was a big deal for me uh, personally. That Esperanza Spalding won. Over Justin Bieber and, you know, Drake and that sort of thing, her being a, a brilliant female uh, jazz upright bassist, um, winning, you know, a Grammy Award for Best New Artist against the likes of Justin Bieber is just fantastic. And it turns out Mumford and Sons were nominated um, for that award as well. And then this year, I guess Bon Ivor uh, got it over Nicki Minaj and Skrillex and J. Cole and the band Perry, none of which I'm very familiar with, but. Um, and I'm not very familiar with Bon Iver either, but I know a lot of my uh, musically inclined uh, friends on the internet are big into the Bon Iver. So I guess, I mean, there could be a, uh, a shift back towards things that are musically satisfying and not quite as overproduced and, you know, just mindless.
2: Yeah, this is, I'm actually looking at this list and I'm going, oh my, how the hell did Evanescence actually get an award for Best New Artist? They were te- they've they never been good.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I do like that Fountains of Wayne was nominated because uh, they'd been around for about 10 years before, the, before their uh, 2004 nomination for Best New Artist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Hootie and, like the and the Blowfish got Best New Artist? Ugh. What the hell? I like that
0: Leanne Rhymes won over uh, Garbage. <laughs> uh,
2: neither one of those do anything for me.
0: Oh, I love Garbage, I, I think they're a great band. Mm. But yeah, it just sort of Oh, Tracy Chapman won over Rick Astley. <laughs> 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 there there's some like some of these that I'm like kind of surprised at just because like some of them are like just sort of like this like total like shit heap, and you're just <laughs> sort of like, wow, none of these should have won.
2: <laughs> i I just scrolled all the way up. Bob Newhart actually got a best new artist? Bob Newhart? That Bob Newhart? That Bob Newhart. Oh well that was actually yeah, that was
0: um actually it's partly because that was like one of the first of the Nightclub Comedy Records. That was like sort of like a stand-up record.
2: Oh, wow. That that's a, that was just that's I just I didn't expect to see that name there. That's all. Bob
0: yeah, but right. yeah, I mean that's it, that's actually what's what's going on there is that it's sort of uh that was kind of, you know, one of the the breakout, you know, stand-up records and that was sort of like, "Oh, wait, we can we can do this?" <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm.
2: A Taste of Honey beat the Cars and Elvis Costello in 79. More proof that the wow. Grammys are useless. Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> I like that – I, I not a, not a not necessarily a knock, but I like in 1980 uh even though they lost uh the Blues Brothers were nominated.
2: <laughs> it, it's so true. A briefcase full of blues is a great album.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm not really knocking it too much, but I just think it's kind of funny that, you know, uh uh you know, two guys from SNL mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: Okay. So, unless we want to keep talking about this, I kind of had—I think the uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, discussions early kind of set up a great topic that's sort of an extension of what we talked about last week. Of mm-hmm. you know, artists changing their style.
0: Hmm.
2: Does that sound like something worth talking about, or you can? Sure, okay. why not? Okay, Andrew. Well, if,
0: if we shut you down, we don't really have a show, do we? <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: we, we got an
1: hour in the can. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I can do that.
2: All right. <laughs> um, because like at least. It's interesting because, you know, we're talking about uh, two – we have two albums here where the artists totally changed their style multiple times, to- at, least, at least once. Boingo Boingo and uh, uh, Neil Young. In fact, Neil Young's reinvented himself how many fucking times? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then you got Mumford & Sons, whose second album is really just a refinement of what they are doing before. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm totally in favor of artists evolving their style and shifting their style and, dr- and trying something new. But, I mean, it's – it's it's hard to do though because you gotta it's it's hard to make that stylistic shift and uh, and do something that's still gonna impress you the fan because you fall in love with it for a different reason, right?
0: I think it's I think it can be, but I mean I've also had like bands where I'm sad that they haven't evolved. Like yeah, uh, oh, when yeah. I was when I was in high school, like I like like my senior year of high school, I think it was or no. I guess, I guess junior year or whatever. Um, the I really liked the Real Big Fish album, which totally dates me. <laughs> uh, turn off the radio. I mean, I thought it like I thought it was a really great record. And then when their second album came out, I liked that too, but it was really kind of more of the same. And then their third album came out and it was even more of the same. And that was about when I was kind of like I was I felt like disappointed that I was just kind of continually listening to Retreads of the first record, and I that was like kind of when I stopped listening to them after the, after that. I was just like, okay, I don't really care what you're doing anymore because it's it's the same. You know, I can I can just listen to your first record, which was really really good. So, call it good.
2: <laughs> can I? Uh, this is gonna lose Andrew, and I do apologize. But what do you think of how Poly Six <laughs> have done without uh, their keyboard player?
0: Um, to be honest, let. Look- I think they've done okay, but I definitely – I miss K.O.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like I – like I mean it's interesting that they've kept a lot of this in the sounds, but they're just mainly like, like arpeggios and stuff like that instead of actual riffs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then again too, I think I'm a little bit of an oddball because uh, for Young Electric Pop, it's still my favorite Poly 6 album, which is way more poppy than any of the other, other ones because that was kind of the concept for that record.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that one too. It's it's not my favorite by them. I think uh, National P is my personal. No, We at the Machine is my absolute favorite. Um, mm. So, but yeah, that, that's actually the reason I ask you that is because that's I was w- listening, watching some videos of their of the current lineup, and that sort of that me thinking you know uh, it that in last week's discussion kind of got got this stuck in my head about you know what happens when for lack of a, for lack of a better pun when the band therein starts playing different tunes.
0: Yeah, you may now, now yeah. groan. <laughs> but but yeah it's just sort of i don't know it 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 works but i mean i and i I like that they didn't get another keyboardist or you know i mean i think that's kind of you know because i think like ko is replaceable right or at least in in someone who's kind of ripping her off way like kind of like what um andrew what you were kind of talking about um a couple weeks ago with Hmm. the uh dave matthews when um what's his face died
1: Leroy Moore, yeah.
0: Yeah, Sorry, I, you, you, well, you know my feelings on the band, so I don't, I don't know the names, but I mean, it's like when you were, (laughs) when you were talking about when, when he died and you had the other guy come in and it was sort of like, oh, this doesn't, this is a style, which is cool, but it doesn't really mesh, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that, you know, Leroy's sound was very, I mean, he was a founding member of the band and it was an instrumental part of the band's sound. Uh, through their first four or five records, six records probably. And uh, when he died and he was replaced by Jeff Coffin, uh, formerly of the Flectones, who is has a very different style. It's much more uh, dissonant, like I mentioned last week. Um, it was difficult for him to really... I mean, he covered the parts very well, but when it came to solos and stuff, it was very... Uh, kind of clashing with with Loroy's sound, uh, so yeah.
0: And I guess one of the other things that you know is like, like that that kind of changing of styles when it like, like sometimes it can feel like trend chasing, and sometimes that doesn't work. You know what I mean? It's sort of I guess if if it if it feels like trend chasing, that's usually a sign that like that the style change has not worked.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, see, see also Gary Newman, right? I, I I was
0: I was gonna go with that with because like I know that like uh you know Rich and I disagree on late era Gary Newman or at least you know the uh 90s era but like I think I think we both agree that like the 80 the late 80s era was kind of dodgy uh
2: I like disagree that way. I don't think it was kind of dodgy I think it was entirely dodgy.
0: Okay, fair enough. But I mean, <laughs> uh, but I mean that that one seemed kind of trend chasy to me, where it was sort of like, you know, like let's get the female vocalist and let's kind of smooth things out. Um, I don't think that the ninety late late nineties current era of Gary Newman that's like very more pop industrial like kind of a the Nine Inch Nails kind of vein. Um, I don't think that that is trenchancy though. I think that one really, really works. I know, I know you don't, Rich, <laughs> but well,
2: I think it doesn't do anything for me. I don't fault him for going in that direction.
0: Mm. But do, do you think it sounds trenchancy, or do you think it sounds just like something that's like sort of not your not your cup of tea?
2: I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna say it's more not my cup of tea. Uh, I just I don't think it's bad as it were as it as it's just not my, what I like. Um, I would prefer him to go back more to the sound that he had from '79 to '81, if I had if I had my choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah.
2: Again, uh, after a decade of putting out crap, it's good to hear. It's good to know that he find he decided like eh, screw it, let's just strip this down and start doing it uh, a different way. And if that just happens to be similar, I don't. I'm not accusing him of ripping off Nine Inch Nails. Though it is interesting that Nine Inch. It is an interesting progression to see that you know Nine Inch Nails is basically harder edge Newman, and then Gary Newman picked up his sound and made that harder edge Yeah, you know, they they played off of each other, but I don't I'm not accusing anyone of ripping anyone off.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think like for me it's like the 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 for lack of a better term Nine Inch Nails era Newman is more uh, more of a case of influences rather than ripping off or trend chasing or anything like that. I think, and I think too, is like kind of like what you were saying with like uh nine Inch nails being kind of a harder Newman. I mean, it's sort of, it's, I, I think it works for, for Newman because it's already a genre that he was kind of a forefather of anyway. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's like, like you're like, I mean, like replicas is very different than say pure, but you can, you can see the through line between replicas and pure. Yeah, if that makes any sense.
2: No, absolutely. It's just that he had that one decade of uh getting lost in in the middle there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the the like there's like a set that's the disconnection like and it's like three sets it's sort of a a quote-unquote best of of that era and there's some good songs in there but they're just kind of ruined by the crappy ass production and mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of like ah so I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that he's good again because I I really love like his new stuff like uh pure and jagged and dead sun rising and stuff like that I just think those those are really great records again so
2: well, maybe I'll go back and try them again because you know I'll start with like sacrifice because the the, the uh, what's the one with all the uh, remixes of the early stuff is that pure oh uh hybrid hybrid yeah, hybrid that's, that's really where I started with the uh, industrial Newman and I don't know if that was really the best place for it. Yeah, I mean that's
0: that's interesting, and I mean I think it's kind of uh, like a cool idea because I mean it's sort of like his uh, plagiarism of you know to you know compare it to the Sparks record, but but yeah, I mean I I think a lot of that stuff should be more uh, appreciated on its own. Like like I, I would definitely go with one of the real records rather than hybrid.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a mistake. Uh, so I'll definitely give that a try.
0: Yeah, like hybrid is an interesting experiment, but not. It, it, it doesn't do... I don't think it does the old stuff any favors. Okay. It's, it's, something, it's something that's interesting once you're already acquainted with both eras of Newman, I think.
2: All right. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we lost you again, Andrew. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> that's okay. We, uh, you foreshadowed or pre-warned. <laughs> or yeah. Or gave advance notice.
2: Okay. <laughs> One of those.
0: Yes. <sighs> I mean, what do you guys think about, like, say, like Elvis Costello, too? Like, because he's another one who's really kind of changed his style, like, quite a bit from album to album and kind of morphed. I what
1: know Power? nothing of Elvis Costello. Oh, oh, no.
2: I, we oh. We're, <laughs> uh, we're going to have to fix that, Andrew.
1: Yeah. Wasn't he in Austin Powers one time?
2: Yeah, yes. With her yes, backpack. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, that's, that's not really typical. You, do me a favor when you have a chance, just go out and get the album by any means you prefer. Uh, would you say this, this year's, year's model? model? Yeah. This year's model. Yeah. And listen to it. Listen to it in your car specifically.
0: Okay. Yeah. that yeah. That is an amazing record.
2: Yeah. You cannot, you cannot go wrong.
1: I'm going to Wikipedia that right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I guarantee you'll know at least one so, song on there.
1: Probably. Look at the track listing. Mm, yeah, Maybe. Yeah, um,
0: I, I could have sworn that you'd be an Elvis fan. I That's why I threw that one out there, is to bring you back into the fold instead of talking about nerd <laughs> fans no one cares about.
1: <laughs> I uh, never have gotten, have not yet, I have yet to get into the Elvis Costello.
2: I only <laughs> fairly recently got into him, and I'll be honest, I don't really go past King of America uh, for him. I do mean to check out, um, what's the album that came out after Momo Fuku.
0: Oh, um, 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 is that complicated shadows it's one of the country ones isn't it
2: yeah it's one of the country ones
0: yeah oh yeah. i think it's uh S- uh secret profane and sugarcane
2: yeah that's the one it has which is a great title yes so. and the one that
0: he did with alan tussain it's really good too
2: yeah so i heard uh like I, yeah I, I just yeah I, I for some reason i just stopped at actually no i have spike so it's my is it might like a rose where i stop? no yeah spike is where i stopped for some reason
0: mm. yeah i didn't really care for spike Aside from like uh, Veronica, which is an amazing and gorgeous and sad song.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Add that to your list too, Andrews. Go look up the song Veronica on YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, co-written with uh, Paul McCartney.
1: Oh, formerly of the Beatles.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Wings. <laughs> he was the guy in Wings too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> really? I didn't know that. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the best one.
2: <laughs> uh, now I need to go My watch the. Wing. I need to go watch the coming up video again because that's a great video.
0: That is, yeah.
2: And and Paul McCartney does a Scarily Good um Scarily Good Ron, Ron Mail. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, it's um yeah, like like with Elvis, like his first what would you say six records or so are pretty much all golden.
2: I I don't uh, really get off of I don't really get much out of Almost Blue. Oh, I like that one. Um I'm not. I, I think not a me, like traditional country fan, so I, I, I
0: am. So I, I, That's why I, I really dig that one.
2: Yeah, I don't. So fault I guess him for I guess it depends
0: on your country. Yeah,
2: I, I don't fold them for. I don't fold them for putting it out. I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's. I, I have it. it. Just it doesn't really do anything for me.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like after about after blood and chocolate, to me, it gets really. There's some albums to pick up, some albums to avoid.
2: I like I love the hell out of Blood and Chocolate though.
0: I do too. I do too. Blood and Chocolate is like the last, like, like consistently really awesome one. I think for me.
2: Yeah, I kind of have trouble getting into Imperial Bedroom as well.
0: Oh, I I, we can't be friends anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I love Imperial Bedroom. That's that. It's like I think for me, like my three favorites of of Elvis are uh, this year's model, Imperial Bedroom, and Blood and Chocolate.
2: I'm gonna say this year's model armed forces and uh and trust actually
0: mm. yeah, I have a friend who swears by get happy too, so oh get happy you know, get
2: happy is totally my fourth
0: <laughs> yeah, um but yeah, but I mean like basically any of those any of the attractions records really are pretty much uh definitely worth checking out, and then afterwards definitely i I'd say get. Get advice after after that because <laughs> like yeah. I would hate for you to start with like North. <laughs> Did you even get North, Rich?
2: No, because like I said, the only new album I have that- I have uh, there's a gap in my collection that goes from uh, Spike to Momofuku.
0: Ah, uh, like some of the like Delivery Man and those ones are pretty good. Um, but North was the one that he made. I think it was like right after he married Diana Crawl, and it's very. Diana Crawley and I don't really care for Diana Crawley that much. And and Elvis is not really good at that style anyway. So no. And it's it I think I've listened to it like once or twice.
2: Yeah. So so no. So don't so get noted. north.
0: <laughs> no north.
2: Okay. <laughs> um Well that got rattled.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know. Do you have any experience to stand like a band, other than Dave Matthews, uh, Andrew, that changed their style for you, like or not like? Other
1: than Dave Matthews, yeah. <laughs> um, the one that comes to mind probably is Rush because they had their, and I've talked about this in the during the Rush episode, but they had their because of their long-lasting career, you know, working on forty years or whatever it is. Um, they've gone through significant style changes in different periods, the most notable probably and probably the most infamous being their 80s synthetic uh, sound uh, where the keyboards became much more prominent than the guitars and all that sort of thing. And, you know, I wasn't around at the time to experience that uh, as a Rush fan in the moment, but looking at it in retrospect, and even I feel this way about uh, the weaker Dave Matthews band records now is that they are now that i've gotten some distance from them they are interesting uh in their own right and they have uh and on their own merits or even on their lack of merits um burn yeah and it's it's just hello
0: hello hi, hi we're there here. we go
1: sorry I think my my iphone my uh headphones got unplugged for a second oh. um and i think that uh you know with rush i have the advantage because I was not, you know, a rush fan from the very beginning, because I wasn't alive. So I wasn't, you know, a huge fan of their first records. And then they changed styles into this more 80s synthetic keyboard driven sound. And I was like, what the hell? Where's the Cygnus X1? And and everything. Um, so looking as looking back on the entire discography, I can really see the distinctions because in the moment, it's really hard to know what you're seeing. Like, Rush fans didn't know that this was just going to be a phase, and that they were going to swing back to the rock side. You know, in the '90s, they were probably kind of freaking out because um, you don't know how long is this going to last. This change, and we fear change. <laughs> um, but you know, being a fan now, I can look back and I can see, okay, this is these are the years of the progressive period. This is these are the years of the the '80s Rush. These are the years of the alternative rush and so on and so forth. And with Dave, it's more, um, you know, there are some fairly crappy records by Dave Matthews Band fan standards. I know they're all crappy for you guys. But, but, um, you know, I can go back and listen to stand-up 2005, which was just a steaming pile of garbage compared to, um, you know, their other records. And I don't put it on very often, obviously, because there's so much better DMB to listen to. But I can put it on once in a while and just be like, "Wow, this is a very interesting. This represents a very interesting period uh, for the band." So I guess for me, dealing with stylistic changes, you know, obviously, if it's a stylistic change for the better, you know, I'm all for that. Um, you know, the Beatles going from straightforward pop songs to more psychedelic stuff on Sergeant Pepper's, you know, is obviously a a positive example of a stylistic change, you know, and it shows when it shows musical maturity, it's obviously a good thing. But, you know, when it sucks, I guess the only thing you can really do is kind of work on detaching yourself emotionally and just looking at it objectively as in what does this represent uh, for the band uh, in its history and just kind of let that speak for itself and appreciate it just for what it is. And try not to be too upset that it's not something that you necessarily love.
2: It works. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I can kind of relate with that in like uh, XTC's uh, Mummer album because that's easily their worst album. And it actually is the only XTC album to come out on my birthday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's a, a birthday gift. Yeah. Happy third
0: birthday, Matt. Here's our shittiest record. <laughs> Um, but it, but you can, but like, like you say though. I mean, you can listen to it and I mean, it's interesting because I mean, like they'd just stopped touring because Andy had his like nervous breakdown on stage and like Terry Chambers, their amazing drummer left the band after recording two songs uh, for that record. And so, I mean, you, you, there is a lot of like interesting, like tumult in the band. So you can kind of approach it from that standpoint. Yeah. But it's still kind of a shitty record
1: <laughs> yeah, Primus is another example' sorry rich okay. um, Primus is another example because they've had you know they had those first three records, and I know Matt, you're a big fan of anti pop mm-hmm. uh, but for a lot of Primus fans today, that is one of their weaker weaker records unless himself has even distanced himself from it um but and again, if you were a fan of Primus in 2000, if you had been a fan since the beginning, or even if you haven't and you, and you just really love the first three records or four records, um, and then they came out with the Brown album, and then they came out with Antipop, um, you know, I probably would have been panicked too. But you know, looking back and knowing where that album lies in the context of their entire career, I can see that this is an interesting entry in their catalog because it was right before the hiatus and tensions in the band were high. And it's, it's just interesting to look at it in that light as opposed to being close to the metal. I suppose you could say, sorry, Rich, I interrupted you.
2: That's okay. I, was, I, I just, I'm, I'm going back to, uh, I know you've heard Matt and I mentioned total Devo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, which is sort of Devo goes, I've, I've sort of described to people as Devo goes to Pesh mode. Except that Depeche Mode at the time was making good music, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. It came to mind when you're talking about the 2005 Dave Matthews Band record, whose title I missed. I'm sorry. Uh, Stand. I'm sorry piece you broke up shit. there.
1: <laughs> Stand up.
2: Okay. Yeah, and then, all I heard it's...
0: was like piece of shit, and I was like,
2: oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> truth yeah. in advertising.
2: <laughs> yeah. So you know, Total Diva was the just. I still find myself. I can listen to it. And I, still, I find some positive, some good moments in it. I don't know if you do, Matt.
0: No, I, I do, too. I mean, there, there's definitely some really good songs on Total Devo. But production-wise, it's kind of eh. And there's some real dogs, too.
2: Yeah. Um, I was actually talking Agitated. with Agitated. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I was talking, actually, with Alex Brunel. And he, he and I sort of came up with the theory that the album was mastered at the wrong speed. Because if you listen to the live performance of, ba- of uh, Happy Guy off uh, Now It Can Be Told. Mm-hmm it's much better. Yes it is. Uh, we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half so I guess we might want to wrap it up. But uh okay. Yeah. It's a
0: good show. Yeah, yeah, I think we've got our uh our uh weekly devo talking uh, quota in so yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah, more more than we, we got we can't talk about devo for another 3 weeks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, sorry, Andrew. Did you ever listen to the uh, records by the way? No. <laughs> okay. not yet. You're Someday. you're busy. You're busy. You're busy. It, it, it's cool. They're uh, here. they are in my library. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. You're forgiven. If you have, even have anything to apologize for, so okay. Um. Yeah. So we'll figure something out for talking about next week. But I've got a hell of a pick lined up. Um. So I guess that's yeah. It's not
0: actually Thursday afternoon, is it?
2: No, 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 no. Okay, because I, I wouldn't uh, have to
0: download it so. <laughs>
2: It's, uh, it's actually, it's discreet music, so you only have to put up for 36 minutes. I'm kidding. though no, still, <laughs> <laughs> um, now you'll find out soon. Um, so where can we find each other
1: online? <laughs>
2: <laughs> can you be more
1: specifically Andrew, Marvin net or Andrew Marvin on Twitter,
0: uh, kitty com, where I, I, I just want to plug an interview that I'm really proud of with, uh, Dave Hughes, who's the creator of this really awesome show on Adult Swim called Off the Air. Um, like, all of the episodes are online on the Adult Swim site, so check those out, and then go check out the interview.
2: Okay. And I'm sanspoint.com, sanspoint on Twitter. And, of course, we are Crush on Radio. You can find us on, at crushonradio.com. Find us on iTunes. Find us on the Twitter at Crush on Radio. Follow us. Love us. Share us. and Eat leave us. a Yes. And leave <laughs> a very positive... <laughs> wow <laughs> and, leave a, <laughs> and leave some reviews on iTunes for us please we love you
0: <laughs> oh, I we're going to hell
2: <laughs> as if we weren't already
0: so
2: nice talking with you guys as always
0: yep likewise
2: yeah same time ta- same time next week
0: sounds good same All bat right. time same bat channel bye-bye bye-bye